This morning we're going to be talking about Christian faith. And our main point is God establishes our faith foundation after we surrender to him. Yes, faith grows after we surrender to his grace. And that is pretty neat. But there's always this boundary that comes between us and it, between us and God, and it's sin. It's a problem. And we like this to think that sin wouldn't necessarily be a problem per se if it only affected just me. Because then I could control it. I could be, in a sense, my own captain, and I could sail my ship through the seas of life, and the only person that's going to affect is the person on the ship, which is me. And we'd be happy that way, and everything's great. But that's one of the lies of sin, isn't it? Many oftentimes when we sail through life, we leave a wake behind us, and when we think we are not harming anyone, we are. And that's the power of sin. We know that sin corrupts our character. It changes our attitude. It makes us more selfish. It corrodes our integrity. It withers our foundation. It batters our sails. And it disrupts disrupts our wants, needs, and desires. As a result, our attitude, our character, they take a turn for the worse, and we go down into the depths of life. Many times when we lose, we lose many things, right? We don't just lose our own integrity. We don't lose just our own character, but we lose our friends, our family. Our moral compass is eroded. Our good standing in the community, it goes by the wayside. I remember when they used to be somebody you could trust, and now, not so much, they would say about us. And also, we have a separation from God, and that's what ultimately is the problem. We have no right to be with him in heaven, and we are desperate need of saving. Someone to throw a lifeline to us to rescue us from drowning in the, in the depths of death. And this is a state that many of our friends and neighbors and family, and don't forget about ourselves, find ourselves in. Is there any hope for us? Well, yes, that's exactly what we talked about last week, right? The hope of Jesus Christ, the salvation that he brings to us through the power of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God has a plan to rescue us from this. He sent a messenger to announce that this Savior is going to be born on this earth. And since we are stuck in sin, God is the provider of said Savior to walk us out of this. So remember, God establishes our faith foundation after we surrender our lives to him. Right? It's kind of hard if somebody throws you a line and they say, just grab a hold. Just grab a hold and pull you in. And you're like, okay, I'm ready. And they pull the line in. And they're like, well, that didn't work. They throw it out there again. And you're like, okay, I'm ready. And you're like, well, you got to hold on to it, the line that's thrown to you, right? Because if we don't hold on to the line, we're going to go under, aren't we? And so that's kind of foolish. It's ridiculous. But how many times do we see that line in front of us that God has thrown to us through his son, Jesus Christ? And we're like, oh, we'll just go another day under our own control, I think I can tread water a little bit longer out here, right? 
But it's, it's okay to let go because he, his way on dry ground is so much more beautiful than we could ever ask and imagine in our lives to have that peace, to have that comfort, to have that joy, to have that love envelop in us and around us, spreads us and permeates so that we affect those around us. And soon that sin wake is not a wake of sin at all, but it's a wake of love. Amen? Wow. I just get up on a soapbox. I haven't even got into my sermon yet. Sheesh, crying out loud. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, would you? Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at 26 through 38. And this is the beginning of the story of Mary, right? It's a little bit of the story of Elizabeth. And you got to be, your pew Bibles, if you're in the red ones, you're pretty close to 855, I'm guessing, in there. So we've been going through Luke upstairs and that's where we were. I think that might be a little bit deeper in. So you might have to go back a couple of pages. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mom, right? And that would be Mary's cousin. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever." His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Lord... For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Folks, we have a time-tested, firm foundation, don't we? We have a time-tested, firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And if we don't have that personally, we can see it through the church throughout the ages. If we don't see it in the church, we can see it and those around us that live a Christian lifestyle. Because all of us, all men are broken. All men sin. All men need and are in need of a Savior. And we know that 700 years before the story of Mary, the angel of the Lord, there was another story that came through the prophet Isaiah. The house of Judah finds itself under siege of two armies. And instead of turning to the Lord for help, they turn to the Assyrians for help. And God says, no, I will deliver you and prove it is I who did it. Just ask the Lord for a sign. Now, this is a, an interesting story, and it's, it's just a 
there's, there's two passages I really get frustrated with in the Bible, and I can only get frustrated with them as far as I'm willing to get frustrated with myself, and so therefore I can get fairly frustrated with myself, so I get fairly frustrated with these guys. Why do you mean that? Well, because the measure that I'm going to judge them with is the measure that I'm going to judge myself with, and that fits Matthew 7 too, right? If I'm going to judge someone, I'm going to judge them to the measure that I'm going to judge them, okay? So the two stories are when God is at Mount Sinai and he gives the Ten Commandments to, to Moses, I really feel that that was the first time that God would have been willing to give his spirit out to everyone at that point in time. But he does not. He only gives it to the 70 elders and he gives it to Moses and the people they do some wicked things that day, and in the name of God. And how many times have I done something wicked in the name of God? And the second one is this time. This guy, this king, he's a wicked king. Ahaz, he's father to one of the best kings in, in Israel's history, Hezekiah. And Ahaz has an opportunity to say, pour out your spirit on your people. I mean, he asked for a sign. Show us physically, show us your spirit right now. And he says, no, I will not put the Lord, my, your God, probably says, to the test. In a very, very arrogant way, saying that I don't need you, God. I can do it myself, all by myself, which is my two-year-old self. So welcome to my two-year-old self. And this is the response that he gets. In Isaiah chapter 7, 10 through 14 says, Later the Lord sent a message to King Ahaz. It says, Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation. Ahaz, make it as difficult as you want, as high as the heaven or as deep as the place of dead. So the king, but the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord your God like that, because then I would have to surrender to him. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? Right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It goes on to tell a story of Isaiah and his kid that grows up and, and has just a wonderful name. You should read about his name. Uh, it's not a wonderful name at all. It's very sarcastic there. And I can't even say it. I can't remember. It's so long. But he fulfills a prophecy in Isaiah's time. And then it's also a prophecy of Mary being the actual virgin and that God allows her to conceive through that and um, brings the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So now... It is one thing to reject the Lord in humility. It is another thing to reject the Lord in arrogance. Ahaz rejects the Lord in arrogance, and he's basically saying, I don't need help from you, God, because, God, you're too small to handle this. But what do we know about God? What do we know? We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, 28, and 29, it says, instead, God chooses the world's what the world considers foolish in order to shame who they think are wise. And he chooses things that are powerless to shame 
those who are powerful. God chooses the things despised by the world, the things that counted as nothing at all, and uses them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Okay? So this is an opportunity for them to see how God works and show them humility, and yet King Ahaz ignores God, and it just does not go well for him. Praise God for prophets like Isaiah who pour into King Hezekiah and allow him to have a godly upbringing because his dad wasn't going to do that. So in the king's defiance and rebellion, the king turns away foolishly from the Lord, and yet the Lord gives him a sign anyway, which is fulfilled through Isaiah's son, and then fulfilled 700 years later in the birth of God's son, Jesus. And unfortunately, I'd like to say we are all Isaiah in this story, but each one of us deep down knows that we like to sin, and we identify just as much with King Ahaz as anybody else does. But we must remember that our God is faithful even when we are not. He is looking for faithful followers to do his work. And I'm confident to say that God does not ask a task. He does not give us a task until we have the faith to accomplish said task. He may challenge us with it, and it may be a new beginning for us. But until we have the faith to walk in that task, we will not accomplish that without the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is exactly the opposite of today's phrase that seeing is believing. When somebody says, I'll believe it when I see it, that means they don't have faith in you, they don't have faith in the situation, and it is not going well. Seeing is not faith. Seeing is fact, right? Faith is before fact. It's going to come to be. I have faith that the sun is going to come up this morning. I don't know that it's going to come up this morning. What would be one of the reasons why the sun didn't come up this morning? God told it not to. Or God came back. We have no longer need for the sun anymore. Maybe time stands still, and we'll all know, because in the Western Hemisphere, we get the dark night out, and then Jesus shows up, right? That could be amazing. So seeing is the finished work. God is calling us to do the work. The calling comes first. Moving forward in faith comes next. And then the task can begin. It is, a, it is similar to an assembly line, right? If we don't have the line moving, the parts are in chaos on the floor. So the car is going by on the frame, and if it's not moving, we are just going to pile up the, the parts right in front of us, and they're going to fall right on the floor, and we're going to be attaching mufflers to mufflers, and it just does not work that way, does it? No, it has to move through the line. Otherwise, things do not get done. If the line keeps moving, however... Things go, the parts go on where they belong, and it is amazing to see. As the church, as the body of believers, we are here to assemble the car, or in, or in Peoria's case, maybe it's assemble the dozer, in where it comes on the line. 
right? What happens if we leave that one-inch bolt off of that very important joint? Everything breaks down, right? It's going to break down so much faster because it is there. We have engineers that, that say, we need this in here. God is our engineer. He says, we need that in here. And if you leave that out, that is an important part of your faith. You're going to need that down the road. What are some of the nuts and bolts that keep us together? Spiritually, it's God's word. When we hide that in our heart, it can bind us together so that we are have a strength and foundation in a sense we're well put together as we go off the assembly line not only are we assembling the church but we're assembling one another building one another up so when we release into the world we can do the work that Christ has put us together wow that's pretty awesome Bringing it back full circle. God is fulfilling his prophecy in King Ahaz, and again, through Mary. Look at the description of Mary in verse 28 and 30. It says, greetings, rejoice, fair... That's what that means, rejoice. Favored woman, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. What does this say about God? That means he is watching each one of us, right? And if he's watching us, does that impact the way you live? I know it does me. Helps keep me accountable. Not to mention all the little eyes in my family that are watching me as well. What would he say about how each one of us are living right now? You keep bringing that up every week, I know, and I will continue to do that because I keep asking myself every week, right? We have to hold ourselves accountable. God wants us to honor him with our lives. Honor God with our intake. What goes into our eyes, what goes into our mouth, what goes into our hearts is what's going to be reflected out and passed out. We can strengthen our foundation of our faith with these three things. With our ears, we can choose good conversations. Who do, who do you hang around? Do they build you up? Are they constructively criticizing you? Maybe they are. They're doing it in a very loving way. However, your ears are closed. Oh my. I don't want to hear that. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm talking about. You have no idea. Is that your first response? That's dangerous, especially if it's somebody that you love and respect. They might not know what you're going through. They might be way off. But especially if it's somebody that loves you and respects you, it kind of shows that maybe you're off a little bit anyway. They might not be understanding, but... Man, they, they, if they had the courage to talk to you about something, then something's different and definitely should consider looking into that. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe somebody's trying to say, come with me, come with me, it's fun, we'll go and we'll go to Vanity Town. I think that's where Pilgrim goes, right? And are they pulling you down? 
Remember, it is always easier to pull someone down than it is to lift somebody up. Somebody's ever on the floor, it's easier for them to pull you onto the ground than for you to lift them up. Many a times, especially if they're unconscious, it takes more than one person to lift that dead weight, right? Have you ever had somebody that's unconscious and you had to move them? It's like next to impossible to get them up. So when I was younger, I was always smaller than my brother, right? I've always been smaller. I still am smaller, probably about 20 pounds or, or more still today. And anytime I wrestled, my best move, that's, you got to plug your ears, Lennon, so your brother can, I can teach this to your brother, right? Uh, my best move was dead weight to stiff as a board. And you just switch about every five seconds. You go dead weight to stiff as a board. They'll drop you right now and they'll give up. It's if you're ever, somebody's ever trying to grab you and put you in the trunk of a car, go stiff as a board, dead, dead weight. They can't do it. It's like flopping. It's like a jellyfish that's going in a two-by-four at the same time. It doesn't work. So when that is happening, when somebody's pulling you down and trying to, to resist that much, there's a point where you just got to let them go. But there's a point where if they're listening, that you hold on to, right? And know that balance between the two. Right? I would say as parents, we have a harder time to let go, but that's okay. There's a point in time where we do need to let go. My daughter's a junior in high school. I'm starting to let go a little bit more of her. My fifth grade boy, I'm not letting go of him the same way as I'm letting go of her, right? We've got to let them out into the, to, to the world, but are they naive to what their friends are saying? Are they naive to what the world around them is saying. So choose good conversations with our eyes. Choose your field of vision. What are you watching on TV, on YouTube, or streaming? What movies, what Facebook, what Instagram, what Snapchat, what other social media, or anything else that we input in our eyes? I don't do any of that stuff. I go down to the local bar and stare at the bar maid. Well, that's just as bad, right? Right? It's the same thing. We... We, so I don't know about you guys, but I was on your end and not up here. I would always go through the pastor's list that he just gave me and be like, well, I didn't, uh, I didn't do any of those things this week, so I'm good to go, right? That's not the intent of that. The intent is that there's lots of different ways to input. What is your input that you are seeking and um, Satan's trying to devour you through? So what, guard your eyes. Where do your eyes go in a conversation? This can tell a lot about a person, right? Um, you can see even people you talk to. I've heard it said if somebody looks at your forehead, they think they're over you. If they look at your eyes, they are equal with you. If they look at your chin, they think they're beneath you, right? Um, I always encourage everyone to look at people's eyes, right? They're the window, window to the soul. They tell a big story, and they will always tell a better story than what you can do, right? And finally, with our lifestyles, doing a self-checkup. Examine the last two months of your life. How's it been going, right? I asked my dog this the other day. I don't have a dog, but if I did, he'd say, rough, right? It's going rough. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. That's what I was going for. A corny laugh, I'll take them all. That's right. Uh, look at your choices. Look at your choices, 
If life is going rough, is it because of something that you've done to create that path of going rough? It isn't always the case. Sometimes it's because you're choosing the right choices and the people and Satan do not want you to go down that road. So they're making that road hard. So you got to recognize that. But you also got to recognize, am I just being the victim? Man, it's so hard. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm so unsure. I don't, I'm uncertain. Right there. Good. I'm glad you admitted all those things. Where do we go for our certainty? Christ Jesus, right? God's word. We know. Anytime you get this into that, I'm uncertain, life's rough, where do you go? You go to the Psalms. Read the Psalms. God's certainty is in God alone. He will, you will find it there. Okay. Above all, remember to praise God for the other half of you and how it's going. It's life been going good. So if it was going rough before, the other one is going good. Also, look at the choices you've been making. Who have you been hanging around with? What attitude have you decided? Where did your feet go this week? Were your eyes controlled by your brain or other places? Above all, in all those things, remember, whether good or bad, we praise God in all circumstances. I am in sin. How can I praise God for that? Well, I can praise God for his forgiveness, right? There's always a positive way to look at life. Because remember, God establishes our faith foundation after we surrender to him. And when we give praise, that's a little act of surrender. Let's continue on 39 through 49 or 45 of Luke 1. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judah to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. Your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he says. In other words, faith reveals what has been concealed. Mary had faith in her heart. And God saw it. He was going to reveal what was already there. Not only did the angel of the Lord see it, but Elizabeth saw it. And you can see how they have very, very similar uh, greetings. Okay? Notice Elizabeth's greeting, Mary, is almost the same way as the angel Gabriel does. God has blessed you above all women, your child is blessed. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And you ever wonder if she looks over at Zechariah when she says that? Because what happened to Zechariah, right? He's mute. He can't speak because he didn't believe what the Lord said. Like, because you believed, you can talk, right? I don't know if Elizabeth had that much chutzpah about her, but she might have. That would be kind of funny. I would definitely would have laughed at that one. Um, God has blessed you above all women. Your child is blessed. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord has, would do what he said. 
I would like to point out this is because Mary was faithful. She was faithful with what she had. I mean, do we hear this great grand backstory of Mary and how, what a wonderful servant she was? No, but she was a wonderful servant. Well, how do you know that? Because she was blessed in the Lord's sight. We know that God appreciated her day in and day out of her, how she lived out her faith. Because he wouldn't have said that unless she didn't do it. I am confident in that. She receives a double blessing both from Gabriel and then she receives a double blessing from Elizabeth. And I both believe they're speaking out of the spirit of the Lord. Okay? Not to mention that um, John the Baptist slept in the womb. God was watching over Mary way before the journey into motherhood. Her relationship started with God way before she became impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Friend, God is watching over our faith walk as well. When we ask God to get involved in our walk, that is when big things happen. Did Mary choose the world? No, but her son did. Did Mary change the world? No, but her son did. Did Mary save the world? No, but her son did, right? Her son cannot come into the world from a virgin if she is not faithful to the Lord. It doesn't happen, right? God's got to pick a different person altogether. It changes the whole scenario, but she was faithful. She was just. She walked with the Lord and God did not have to change because he knew the character of Mary. Praise God for that. Was Mary bl Mary's blessing instant and gratifying? No, not all the time. She had to watch her son die, right? Way before her time, no parent should have to watch their child die, right? But she also got to have the blessing to watch her son raise life again and that is the hope that we have she was protected by the lord's plan and she is still honored today we know she was protected because we read about her protection in revelation don't we right we read it about it in the other gospel as well now let's pull out the bible pull out from the bible some inputs for our lives we can allow god to work in our lives better when we apply these two things, God is faithful, so we need to remain faithful. We need to remain faithful to his word. We need to memorize it, right? Those bolts that go on the machine, they don't go in there by themselves. We need to memorize scripture. One of the best ways, note cards, right? Get some note cards, write it out on the note card. Don't just type it out, write it out because that helps you. Another one that I did, if you are a little more tech savvy, I went to where the Bible verses were spoken to me on my app. I went to that and I grabbed that audio and I stuck it in and I created, I needed to memorize 10 Bible verses for training that I was doing. And I would, I put it on this list and I walked through each one of those 
every day, and then I put it on repeat, 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 and I just listen to that Bible verse over and over and over. And that's how I memorize 2 Timothy 2.22. That's how I memorized um, Romans 1.12. That's how I memorized um, John 3.20. I'm not sure what that one is. Um, 3.12, I think. And that, those are the, some of the things that I did. It was easy. And I'm like, why don't I do this more often? I didn't have a good reason. Why don't? I should, right? Because remember, God establishes our faith foundation after we surrender to him. Let's finish off the story that we're going to read of Luke chapter 1. Mary responded, and this was our call to worship this morning. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in, in, my, in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months. Why three months? How far along was she? Six months, right? About three months, either to when he was, John the Baptist was born or, or shortly before or shortly after. And went back to her own home, right? It also gave her a time of seclusion from those around, and um, she went through. Notice that praise. She is not married yet. She is now three months pregnant, going back to her hometown. Oh, what'd you do there? Well, we can see what you did. She's going to get ridiculed. She's going to get teased. She is going to get, oh, and now we know why, talked about. Her reputation is ruined. Do we see that in that praise? No. It's only, look what God has done. Look how he's brought down the princes. Look at the tremendous things. He has shown mercy. He's talking about God's mercy. You're going to get ridiculed. And you're talking about God's mercy? That's character. That is character. Praising the Lord has a direct result on our faith. She chose to praise God instead of listening to the ridicule. Praise God in all circumstances. Remember when God, remember who God is and what he can do. When we praise God, it is a small act of surrender. As I said before, we are letting him know that he is greater than who we are, what we are, and what we've done. God is greater. Look how Mary describes the Lord. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. She is saying, the Lord knows my hardships. The Lord knows what I'm going to go through. He is going to protect me. His angel said he would. I will listen, I will obey, I will be faithful. 
He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. She could have taken this as a curse, couldn't she? This is a child out of wedlock, but she doesn't because God protects her marriage even before it starts. The angel of the Lord goes and visits Joseph and says, this is my doing. Take her as your wife, but don't have sex with her before. Um, She has this kid. And I don't know if the angel said that or not, or if Joseph had the integrity not to do that as to not taint this pregnancy, which was, shows some character in Joseph, okay? Joseph sometimes gets a bad rap in this story, but it's an important part of the story. And I might be able to pull this off next Christmas, but I'm really learning since what we learned in Genesis, right? Sorry, sorry it's a side tangent. It's really cool, though. Um, Joseph, the name Joseph, is it significant? Yes, it is. It's significant because we have Joseph who was the savior of the people back in the Old Testament that we just learned about in Genesis, and that correlates to the savior of God's people, and God brought that together again into this story. Is there significance? Absolutely. Have I wrapped my mind around how much? About this much, okay? I got a big old gap I still got to close. But I was like, wow, I've, I've wondered that before. Uh, Baruch really touched on that, and it, it's, it's coming. But why? Why would God use somebody from a no-name village like Nazareth, out in the middle of nowhere? Why would he take this nobody servant Mary and turn her into a somebody? Why would he do this? This builder, this carpenter, it's because of their faith, because of their integrity. Remember, God chooses the humble to shame the proud. He takes the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong, the lowly to, and the things that are despised of this world and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. That's like such a Jedi phrase right there from, from Paul. But uh, maybe they stole it from him, right? That no one can boast. Mary, that's not her character. Joseph, not his character, right? God has done some amazing things. She let the Lord fight her battles from the beginning. Can we do the same thing? Finally, be thankful in all situations. Remember what the Lord has gotten you through already. Remember that he can sustain you even in the toughest times. Verse 53, she finds her contentment in the Lord. Give us today our daily bread is in a sense what she's saying. Be thankful for our present situation and allow God to, to work. God, this one's too big for me to handle. I'm excited to see how you're going to take it on today. Verse 54, she is trusting in God's mercy. She is walking by faith in a mighty way. She is going to get persecuted, folks. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is going to happen. And she says, God, that is your 
way. That is how you're going to take care of this. Also in 54, she remembers God's promises. Now she is watching them be fulfilled. It makes me wonder if she remembered the one clear back in Isaiah chapter 7 that the virgin was going to give birth. And she's like, this is it. This is happening right in my midst. I get it. Unlike King Ahaz, who would not humble himself, who she prays against in a sense, she is a humble servant and she humbles herself and allows great things to happen. Almost the opposite of the king. Comes from a no-name town, comes from everywhere town, is a woman, is a man, is powerless, is powerful. All the things. God uses it because when somebody looks at Mary and says, well, we know his mom and dad when they talk about Jesus, but this is something else. Messiah, we're not supposed to know any of those. What am I supposed to do with all this? What am I supposed to take home? How will I live? What are the things in my life that I take for granted? I encourage you to thank those people. Thank those that have sacrificed so much for you. Thank those who have taken the time to build you up. Thank those people that have filled you up. You know, emotionally, you know, those people that just charge you up. I want more time with them. Be, let them know. You know, I really enjoy our time together. Is there a way that we could get some more time? You just really fill me up and give me the spirit. Remember those things now so we can appreciate them later. Amen? When we get into the tough times, we remember the things that we appreciate now, so then when we get into tough times later, we can still appreciate them then and walk through what the Lord has with that appreciation. Because God establishes our faith foundation after we surrender to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time. We thank you for this church family and what you've given us. Lord, you are a God who cares for us and you, God, that we can surrender to because you have set the example first. You give us hope and a future, and we are going to rest in that hope and future. Lord, when the things of this world are being taken away from us, whether it's man, I can't remember like I used to. Maybe it's, I can't um, get around like I used to. Maybe it's, I can't control my temper like I used to. Lord, we're going to remember the times that we could, and we're going to depend on you, and we're going to walk in your word and surrender to your spirit because we know that all things work together for the good of those who love you. We are going to take that to the bank because it is difficult enough to do it on our own. Lord, we find our rest in you. Lord, we praise you for the, the wonderful week of some of us have had. We've had some really good news in the congregation this week, and we give you the glory. Lord, we thank you for life and new life that has surrounded us. Uh, we thank you for those that have been with us today as well. And Lord, we thank you for giving 
each one of us a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. And as we go through every part of this day, help us to love you and to love the people who cross our paths, starting with our family. Don't let us miss the adventures we, you are sending our ways to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw our hearts to you and to specific people. You want us to pull close for Jesus, like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform each one of us into followers of Jesus who love you, who love people, who make disciples, who make more disciples, ad infinitum. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.